This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery... Well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss. The lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. Hello, and welcome to our monthly cover CD podcast, in which we take a brief look at the works on the disc that accompanies the latest issue of BBC Music Magazine. I am Jeremy Pound, the magazine's deputy editor, and with me is our staff writer, Rosie Pentreath. Hello. Today we're listening to our December issue CD of Chamber Works by C.P.E. Bach, performed by violinist Rachel Podger and friends at this year's BBC Proms. First up is the trio sonata for flute, violin and continuo in A, H570WQ146, for which Podger is joined by Katie Bircher on the flute, Christian Bezudenhut on the forte piano, and Thomas Pokovinsky on the cello. We'll join it at the beginning of the Vivace Third Movement. Thank you. 
was Rachel Podger and Friends in C.P.E. Bach's Trio Sonata for Flute, Violin and Continuo in A, composed in 1730, when he was still just a munchkin of 16. This work is cast very much in the Baroque style of C.P.E.'s father, the great Johann Sebastian. However, over the course of the works on this disc, we hear how C.P.E. Bach's own style evolved towards something that was clearly hovering on the cusp of the classical era, don't we, Rosie? Mm, absolutely. Um... Going back a bit, it's easy to forget that C.P.E. Bach was one of the most influential composers between the Baroque and classical eras. Uh, like you said, he did embrace Jess Bach's style, you, you just heard it in that movement, but he was very much a pioneer of the new classical style. He actually became much more influential than J.S. Bach in his day because he was so forward-thinking, and he was admired by Mozart, Haydn and Beethoven, of course, the Vienna School. Uh, Mozart's known to have said, C.P.E. Bach is the father, we are the children. And that just goes to show how influential he was. The clarity and formality of the classical era can be heard coming through the, the later sonatas, as he said. We'll hear a little of C.P.E. Bach's mature style a little later. In the meantime, we're going to carry on our chronological journey as Podger and fellow violinist Bojan Cicic take on the lead roles in the trio sonata in C minor, Sanguineus et Melancholicus, written in 1749. jolly good fun. There we heard Rachel Podger as Sanguineus and Bojan Cicic as Melancholicus in the Trio Sonata's first movement. Explain what's going on there, Rosie. Mm, yeah, it's great fun indeed. Um, Bach imagined this trio sonata as a conversation, uh, basically, between the melancholy character and the sanguine one. In the first two movements, they're disagreeing, but eventually the conversation resolves and they're all agreeing. Um, it's programmatic, I suppose, uh, in this way, and it relies on how much music can represent and kind of provoke emotions. It's really fun to kind of listen carefully and see what they could be possibly arguing about. Bach wrote about the piece... An attempt has been made to express as far as is possible by means of instruments alone, something for which the resources of voices and text are perhaps more suitable. So you can see he's challenging himself, but I think he's also defying kind of the common belief of the time that these kind of expressions were, were mainly and successfully sort of uh, transmitted through text and singing. Um, there's expressions like pleading and complaining and sadness and bitterness and happiness, of course. Um, and he's just proving that you can do it through music alone. Um, it's very clever. As you say, I don't think it'll be ruining the narrative to reveal that our sanguine and melancholic friends do seem to finish the work in some sort of agreement. And those who like their Nielsen, incidentally, will probably know that melancholic and sanguine are also the names of the last two movements of his second symphony, The Four Temperaments, a work inspired by a humorous picture he saw hanging up in a pub. But enough of drinking Danes, let's return to C.P.E. Bach. We're now in the year 1763, when he wrote his violin sonata in C minor, H514WUQ78. It's played here by Rachel Podger and Christian Bezudenhut.
Given the overwhelming popularity of J.S. Bach compared to C.P.E. Bach these days, it's worth taking a brief step back in time and reminding ourselves that this wasn't always the case. As you hinted at earlier, Rosie, in their own lifetimes, C.P.E. was actually the more celebrated figure, wasn't he? Mm, Yeah, like I said, um, C.P.E. Bach was so revered in his time and all the composers of the Vienna School studied him and talked about him and kind of looked at what he did. Um, The composer Telemann was his godfather and I think he turned into a great contact throughout C.P.E. Bach's life, especially in Hamburg. Um, Just before that, though, he graduated from Leipzig University at the age of 24 and was appointed as a musician in the court of Prince Frederick of Prussia straight away, um, that he was to become Frederick the Great, of course. Um, So, yeah, hugely influential. Uh, But then he soon, I suppose he soon became overshadowed by the classical greats, Mozart, Haydn and Beethoven themselves. Um, And he was only seen as a precursor to classical he kind of didn't fit in either of the eras perhaps um then of course J.S. Bach was revived by Felix Mendelssohn so Carl Emanuel would always be Bach's lesser known fifth son yes it's, it's quite harsh to be cast in the shadow of your own father and also as you say be stuck between two eras mm. but anyway finally our December issue cover CD podcast arrives at late late CP Bach this is the keyboard sonata in E minor, H281, WUQ59, dating from 1785, just three years before the composer died. Your man at the forte piano keys here is Christian Besudenhut. Christian Bazudenhut playing CPE Bach's 1785 keyboard sonata in E minor, recorded live at this year's BBC Proms, as were all the performances on this disc. This was, in fact, a lunchtime prom that took place on 28th of July, not at the Albert Hall, but down the road at the more intimate Cadogan Hall. Tell us a little bit about the prom's lunchtime series of concerts, Rosie. Mm, the lunchtime series is a chance to celebrate chamber music, really, music written for smaller groups. Uh, kind of outside the huge Albert Hall, you've got this lovely intimate venue that's Cadogan Hall. Um, it used to be a Christian science church, uh, and in 2000, the Earl Cadogan bought it and turned it into a rehearsal and concert venue for the Royal Philharmonic mainly. But in 2005, the BBC Proms sort of saw an opportunity, so they moved their chamber music series from the 300-seated hall in the V&A to the 900-seated hall at Cadogan Hall. This particular prom is a 300th celebration concert for CPE Bach. And as you said, it's Rachel Podger and her friends. It's a great selection of musicians. And hurrah for that. We couldn't possibly finish off the lunchtime of merrymaking featured on this disc with a solo performance. So let's instead return to our friends Sanguineus and Melancholicus. We'll be back with another podcast next month when we look at the disc that accompanies our Christmas issue. So it's a melancholy goodbye from Rosie. Goodbye. And a sanguine goodbye from me. Actually, I think Rachel Potter and Bojan Cicic do it better.
Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.